we uh, we're continue today with First Corinthians chapter ten. Uh, well, we'll read this first part, uh, first ten verses at least. Uh, danger of overconfidence is what I have there. Um, I believe that the church at Corinth uh, had become somewhat proud. Um, for a lot of different reasons, uh, but they were proud uh, that they were Christians, almost to the point maybe that they started thinking that once they had been saved, they were going to be saved. Uh, they took it for granted that since they had been baptized for remission of sins, uh, they would die in favor with God and go to heaven. And uh, that appears to have been a, a great concern of Paul the Apostle. He spends a lot of time in this letter dealing with this particular issue. Uh, and there's one thing that we always have to be uh, concerned with and mindful of is the fact that uh, our salvation, though we may be saved right now, our salvation is yet to be determined. Uh, we will know the final outcome when we die. Uh, and we have to be mindful of that. We have to continue to walk in the light as uh, the Lord is in the light and sometimes uh, that can be forgotten because uh, we obey the gospel uh, we go to church and we're uh, real moral good, morally good people uh, the downside that I've ever seen through my observation including my own shortcoming is uh, forgetting that we have the obligation to do good you know we know we're not supposed to do bad we know that and we watch out for it all the time but there's also the dual responsibility of uh, doing good uh, I think the greatest danger we face uh, as God's people uh, are not sins of commission but rather sins of omission failing to do good when we have the opportunity. Uh, we have a thousand and one reasons why we might not need to do things, but uh, we have to keep in mind that one day we'll have to give an account of uh, not only what we did that was wrong, but we, what we failed to do that was good. Every parable that Jesus taught on the judgment, every parable without exception, those who uh, failed to please God in the end were because of sins of omission. The wise and the foolish virgins, what was their fault? They failed to prepare properly. And uh, they lost their soul. What about those who appeared before the Lord in the judgment? Some were on the right, some were on the left. What was their shortcoming? They failed to do good. They didn't do bad. They did good, didn't do good. And uh, the Lord uh, judged them and condemned them because of their failure. I think that's the greatest threat we might face. Uh, at least one of the greatest threats we might face is uh, forgetting that we have the obligation uh, to not only avoid negative matters, but we are also to... Uh, be involved in, in 
positive circumstances and situations, doing good to others. Uh, I think the Corinthians, uh, they came up short on their expectation of the final judgment. And uh, this is what Paul's dealing with in the first 10 verses. He's going to make it uh, a point to, to teach them uh, that that's a mistake of the highest order. So we'll go through first and we'll read it because uh, I think it needs to be kept together. And then we'll come back and uh, do a brief analysis of it. <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, uh, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor should we complain, as some of them also complained, and they were destroyed by the destroyer. Uh, we'll go back now and uh, think about what he said. It's pretty much self-explanatory, but uh, I think we need to go back and look at it. Emphasis is on the word all. Okay, this, this has to do with Israel uh, coming out of Egyptian bondage. Okay, it was the whole, all the tribes uh, were together being led out of bondage by Moses. Uh, and Paul's point is really simple. When they came out of Egypt, God blessed every one of them without exception, without fail. Uh, they all received the exact same blessings they all had the very same opportunities. Uh, and this is his point. All our fathers were under the cloud, under the protection of God. They all passed through the Red Sea. All of them were baptized into Moses. <clears throat> they came into, uh, when they came into the wilderness, they were now amenable to the law of Moses. So they're baptized into Moses, or if you will, under his authority. They were baptized into Moses in the cloud, and in the sea. I'll, we'll do a diagram in a moment and look at that. Uh, in Psalm 105, verse 39, the psalmist said, God spread a cloud for a covering over the Israelites during this time, and he gave them fire to give light during the nighttime. They could see uh, that divine presence was there with them always, day or night. They knew the divine presence was there. In Exodus 14, verses 21 and 2, uh, Moses wrote, The children of Israel went into the midst of the Red Sea, and they walked on dry ground. And the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. 
the situation is, is kind of simple. Uh, the Red Sea parted. There was a cloud that loomed over them. They were underwater, if you will. <clears throat> and they walked across on dry ground. God dried the ground however God did it, I don't know. Uh, but he dried the ground where they could walk across it. He made it hard. And the Israelites would pass through. Now when you look at it, it's easy to see that uh, on the left, on the right, and overhead, they were, un they were underwater. Well, that's immersion. That's to be immersed. Water doesn't have to touch you to be immersed, but you, you have to be uh, surrounded by water, which usually involves touching, uh, to use the word baptize. But it also in this situation, when they had water standing up on the right and the left, I don't know how high those uh, walls of water were. They could have been 60, 80, 100 feet high. I don't know. Uh, it would have to have been pretty high, though, because the river was at its uh, flood stage. So when they passed through, uh, they were immersed in water. And that's why he uses the, the word baptizo uh, when he speaks about being baptized into Moses. They went through the water and then they came under the domain of Moses. And this was accomplished by the cloud and the sea, the cloud overhead, the sea on either side. Okay, is that easy? Okay. Uh, they were baptized, immersed, buried, and they all mean the same thing. And when you think about it, and that's what happened to these folks. They were buried underwater. Uh, they were surrounded by water. They were immersed by the water. Uh, and uh, in that sense, they, they were uh, baptized into Moses. Uh, what was going on, the situation at the time, it also was very simple. Uh, you've got the, the, when they were in Egypt, and then they would come out and they went into the wilderness, the Sinai Peninsula, where they would spend, uh, supposed to only spend two years, but the people, you know, because of unbelief, uh, God condemned them to spend an additional 38 years. So they were going to spend a, a period of 40 years, which meant that everybody above the age of 20 was going to die in the wilderness. Now, they didn't know that. They probably figured that they were going to uh, uh, live and go into the land of promise like they anticipated. But we know, because we look back and we have the data, uh, we know that that's not what happened. Uh, everybody above the age of 20, except for Joshua and Caleb, perhaps their family, their, their wives, uh, would die in the wilderness. But the idea was they would spend two years in the wilderness. They would prepare to become a nation. Uh, they would have a charter. They would have a constitution. Uh, they would have uh, built a military. Everything it took in order to be a, a nation that could stand and survive. Uh, they were slaves. They had no skills. Two years of training, and then they're going to go on into the promised land. Two years, which turned into 40 years. But the goal was, of course, to go into the land of Canaan. So the two-year trip turned out to be 40 years. But the point that Paul's making now is that they had to pass through the Red Sea. Now, and then later, they're going to have to pass through the Jordan River, same way. 
It's going to be at flood stage. What's the purpose of it? Well, when they passed into the wilderness, that was the first generation. That was the mamas and the papas. Then the second generation became adults. They, too, would be exposed to this grand miracle of passing through the sea. They, too, would walk on dry ground with the water heaped up on both sides and the cloud passing overhead. So they were going to experience uh, the same magnificent phenomenon that their parents had passed through, but it did them no good because they did not believe. Now, this second generation could be successful if they believed. That's the whole point. But the point Paul was making is that everybody was given the same opportunity. I do not want you to be unaware. All our fathers were under the sea. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. That's the ones we talked about a moment ago, above the age of 20, except for Joshua and Caleb and their spouses, I suppose. Uh, But the rest, uh, they would never set foot in the land of promise. Uh, Very sad. Uh, Actually, the only one that did step into the land of promise was Joshua and Caleb and their spouses of the old order. Moses wasn't going to step into the land of promise, and uh, neither would uh, Aaron. This wasn't going to be uh, a benefit that they would receive. Do you have a question, sir? This one here? It is a good type of our world. Uh, as you said, um, if you look at Egypt as being the world at large today, wilderness being the church, and then the land of Canaan being uh, heaven itself, uh, we, we, some, passed through figurative Red Sea, were baptized into the Christ, and then out of that group, the church group, some will pass into heaven, but not all. Just, just as it happened then, it'll happen again. And it's going to be the few that's going to pass through. Uh, and that's, 
that's one of the things that ought to grab our attention, especially when you come to the period of the wilderness. Uh, all but Joshua and Caleb, and of course Moses and Aaron, uh, but the rest, they all, well, Aaron and Moses both perished in the wilderness as well. They weren't given access into Canaan. Uh, that was very sad. But uh, I don't know that that barred him from heaven. We see Moses later with, uh, with the Christ. Uh, they were having a discussion, Moses, Elijah, and uh, I forgot, was it Abraham? Somebody, there was three of them. Uh, they had a conversation on the Mount of Transfiguration. But uh, there's a, this is a type of the world today. If I was doing a different lesson, I would do the overlay on it because uh, that's what it's there for. And so we was gleaned that kind of knowledge for us today. Thank you uh, very much. It's always That's true. It never changes. And it's long range as well. People, uh, people are always the same as well. Uh, we dress better, maybe. They wore dresses back in. We wore britches. Uh, I'd rather wear britches and dresses, but other than that, we're all pretty much the same. Uh, their bodies were scattered. Okay, here we got, uh, with most of them, we got that. Most died uh, in the wilderness, and that was, that was sad because the blessing was for all. That, Paul's emphasis, all, 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 but not all made it into the promised land. Uh, and it didn't have to be that way. They just would not believe God. They would not believe God. Uh, they formulated their own system of belief, which most everybody does. Everybody's got some type of belief. But whether it's the belief that God's looking for or not, uh, that's going to make a big difference. Now, these things, Paul said, became our examples. Uh, we can learn so much from Israel during her time in the wilderness. These things became our examples uh, to the intent that we should learn that we better not lust after evil things. Uh, that could be the world in general. Uh, John said in 1 John 2.15, uh, do not love the world, nor the things that are in the world. Uh, if we have a, a love for these things, the love of the Father is not in us. We're not to lust. It's not wrong to want something or purchase something that you enjoy, but you're not to lust after it. Make that your primary goal, objective, aim. Our goal is to be uh, to please God, and then everything else falls under that. If we live by that rule, we'll do well. Uh, but if we allow other things to capture our attention and focus, we'll, uh, we won't fare so well in the end. We should not lust after evil things. This is what they did, and they fell in the wilderness. Do not become idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. That's their idols. Uh, they, they rejoiced in their idols. And of course today, I think perhaps our principal idol today would be money. That's the principal God of, well, people in our nation at least, because we have an opportunity, we might be able to get some, 
And sometimes people uh, make that their chief aim. That's what they serve, is the need to have money. Nor let us commit sexual immorality. Uh, that's always been a, a big problem with humanity uh, because we live in our bodies. Our bodies uh, crave uh, mm, sexual satisfaction. Uh, we have desires. Everybody does. Uh, you can't say you don't. I mean, you may grow out of it one day, but uh, especially when you're young, uh, lusts, uh, lust for flesh uh, can uh, be quite compelling. And we, uh, we have to keep it under control. It's not that we can avoid it, uh, but we have to keep it under control. Uh, David, when he watched Bathsheba bathe, uh, he lusted. It's natural. Any man would lust, any healthy man would lust, but uh, he didn't keep it under control, which is what a body's supposed to do. You know, you can't unsee what you saw. The only thing you can do is turn from it. David did not, and in the process he sinned. Uh, it's always been one of the uh, major uh, drives of human beings is uh, lust for the flesh and then of course lust for the money things of that nature uh, is what uh, world-minded people at least uh, are governed by and it's uh, it can be hard to overcome if you know we don't uh, put on the brakes you gotta have a good reason to overcome it like God or, or like faithfulness to your spouse. Uh, I don't want to cheat on my spouse. I don't want to cheat on God. And because I have uh, these motives that can assist me when I try to overcome uh, such desires. Do not commit a sexual immorality as some of them did and because of sexual immorality. And one day, 23,000 of them died. They just dropped dead in the wilderness. The Lord destroyed them because uh, they allowed their lust to govern them. And nor let us tempt the Christ, as some of them also tempted, and these were destroyed by serpents. Uh, in what way do we tempt Christ? I think, maybe, uh, I think maybe our principal way to tempt Christ is probably uh, thinking we can avoid doing his will and get away with it. As I mentioned a moment ago, uh, all the parables point to sins of omission, which obviously sins of omissions are a great threat to us. Well, sometimes it's possible that we can know what the will of God is, but we choose not to do it. And we figure, well, the Lord will understand why I didn't do that. That's tempting Christ. He said he would charge us with sin when we sin. And to think that we can commit sin and the Lord is just going to overlook it because I'm special for some reason, that's tempting him. Putting him to the test. That's what tempt is in this case. It's to put him to the test. Will he or won't he condemn me? I'm hedging he won't. 
that's what it means to tempt Christ. That's not the only way we can tempt Christ. But I think that might be one of the biggest ways we may tempt Christ is thinking we can get away with wrong. Yes, sir. Anything. <laughs> Anything that takes the place of God. Uh, sexual morality is one of the big ones, though, that everybody has in common. Everybody doesn't lust after cars. I don't lust, but man, do I like them. But not everybody likes cars that way. Uh, sexual immorality is one that's pretty much common to the human race. But there are everything else, anything of the world that we allow to unseat the Lord, uh, we have uh, committed sin. We're not to complain, as some of them also complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Uh, you know, we can empathize with the people. They ate manna every day, and uh, occasionally they would get quail, uh, water, Sometimes I say they got very, very, very thirsty before uh, water would be supplied from them. But to eat something every day, I think manna probably tasted good if I understand it properly. It tasted good at least for a while. It's kind of like working in a chocolate factory. Uh, you know, people go to work at uh, that chocolate place in Googville, and boy, they got that free candy, and man, they wolf it down, wolf it down. And then uh, after so many days, they kind of yuck, you know. <laughs> I don't think I want any chocolate. You burn out on it. I think people might have burned out on manna in some degree. Uh, they wanted uh, a T-bone steak or whatever, you know. They wanted something besides manna. They wanted some fish. They liked fish a lot. Uh, garlic and onions. They wanted uh, something with uh, flavor you could taste. And they started complaining because they were eating manna all the time. And I'm sure they complained when there was water shortage. One time they got so thirsty that Moses, uh, uh, well, God made water come forth from a, a rock, even though Moses took credit for it. Uh, and I, I think that's why they probably complained. But the fact of the matter was, uh, they weren't slaves anymore. They weren't slaves. They may have not had a lot of water to drink, and they may have been eating manna every, every day, but, but they weren't slaves. They were now free people. They, they had God now. That's something they hadn't had before. Oh, God was watching over Israel, 
But I got a feeling by this time the Israelites' faith in God wasn't very good. Uh, but now they've, they've seen the magnificence of their God. They've seen what he could do with their own eyes. Uh, he's, he's told them they're going to a land of promise. I mean, even though times were tough during the journey, there was something grand waiting for them on the other side. And they should have kept that in mind. Instead of complaining about what they had or didn't have, they should have been looking forward to what they were going to get when they got to Canaan land. Well, see, we're supposed to learn from that. Remember, the wilderness period is our church age. And during our church age, sometimes we complain. We complain because mama got sick. Or daddy died, and God didn't do anything about it. We don't have what the crooks have. The crooks, look how they live. They drive big cars. They got a lot of money. And here we are, we're the children of God, and we're deprived of such things. And we might start grumbling. It's not fair. You go through the Bible, and every major character throughout the Old Testament, every major character complained because of what they had or didn't have. It's, a, it's something I think we all do. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, I don't know about all of you, but uh, the wife and I were in our daily Bible reading here, I don't know, about a week ago or so, and we came across the, the complaining started in their tent. And of course, we stopped and think about it, and, and the two of us stopped, and we had a discussion about that. I said, you know, where, where does complaining and disgruntledness, where does it, where does it grow? And, it, and uh, you know, we would do each other That would be the best thing to do without a doubt. Uh, That's where it grows. And it goes from complaining to not, not wanting to cooperate, having a bad attitude. It just grows and grows. And it just doesn't please God at all. That's like a guy on TV said. I'm not going to allow anybody to have space in my attic. And uh, I think that's what we do sometimes. When, uh, when I was younger and uh, before everybody loved me, there were people uh, who, who didn't like me, and boy, did they complain. And they even caused me trouble. Sometimes there was backstabbing, et cetera, et cetera. And what, one thing that me and my wife didn't do, we tried not to do at least, was talk about it in front of our kids. And the reason was uh, I was afraid that they wouldn't like so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, the problem was they didn't have a reason not to like them. Uh, they, they, could, they, they might not like them because daddy doesn't like them or mama doesn't like them, but that's not good enough. 
uh, if they're going to have something, uh, if they want to stay away from somebody, then it ought to be for a reason that they have, not something they saw in me or their my wife. Uh, and I was uh, I was always uh, concerned about letting them know much about what went on uh, in my life and her life. Uh, but that was my fear, that my uh, unhappiness would become their unhappiness. Sometimes it wasn't possible to avoid it, but uh, most of the time it was. And it's good if you can, uh, if you can save someone uh, from doing the things that gets us in the mode of contempt or hate or things of that nature. Uh, I find it interesting that how often do we hear, even in today's world, you know, people say, I'm not complaining, but. but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not complaining. Tear Brother Smith down, but. But, yeah, I've seen a lot of buts in my life, too. Uh, a whole lot of that goes on. Yeah, it's wrong. Complaining is, well, it's hard. It's always been hard for me to avoid. Uh, but it's always been hard. I used to complain a lot when I worked uh, a real job. And uh, I just, one of those kind of people. And I hate it now. But we want to try to avoid it. And that, it, it, it starts in the heart, but it can germinate in the home. Now, all these things happened to these people as examples for us. They were recorded for our admonition. This is why the Lord had Moses to write these matters, is so that one day in 19, or 2023, uh, we changed centuries. I forget that sometimes. But one day in 2023, the people of Center Grove would sit here and talk about what happened to the Israelites in the wilderness. Uh, he had them written so that we could study it today and we could learn from it. He's admonishing us to avoid those things. We, the people upon whom the ends of the age has come, the last age, we're it. I mean, it's not that the world's going to end tonight, maybe. Maybe it will. But uh, the last age has to do with the Christian age. Uh, the Lord wanted us to learn valuable lessons from all of this. Therefore, because this is the case, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Okay, you are saved. Today you know you are a saved person. Well, keep your eye on the ball. Because if you don't, you may not be standing tomorrow. At least not in the eyes of God. We always have to examine ourselves and make sure we're still in the faith. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to men. Uh, people have been tempted since Adam. Uh, it's part of the reason why we're here is to have to endure temptation, deal with it, and overcome it. Uh, and the, while we may think that we've, we've got it worse than anybody else, the fact of the matter is, no, we don't. Uh, you can look around and you always find somebody that has it worse. Uh, sometimes I get a little sorry for myself because I hurt a little. And then, you know, a trip down to Vanderbilt 
and it'll vanish in a heartbeat because you see what real problems are all about. And uh, it teaches you to shut up because you're making a fool out of yourself. Uh, everybody is subject to temptation. And in one way or another, we're all subject to the same. But even though we are tempted, God remains faithful. He doesn't stop being faithful because we have to deal with temptation. I can recall when people used to think that being tempted was sin, that a person like David who looked at Bathsheba bathing and he was aroused by that, that David committed sin. No, he didn't. That's natural for a person to be aroused, at least a man, when he saw a woman. It's, a, it's natural for him to be aroused. What's unnatural is for him to turn around. But the reason he turns around is because that's what the Lord wants him to do. We do the thing that's not necessarily natural. The natural inclination of our bodies is to take advantage, but not our spirit. And when the Spirit guides us, we look away. God remains faithful through all of our temptations, even all the times we stumble and we ask God to forgive us. God remains faithful, and he'll never allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Man, I love that one right there. No matter what we go through, God's in control. And if I'm being tempted to this level, then I can rest assured that the Lord knows I can endure this temptation. And the very fact that I know that should give me confidence to endure it. He won't allow me to be tempted beyond my potential. But with the temptation, he also makes a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And whenever we find that escape, we run, run, run and try to get out of that situation. Uh, next week, God willing, we'll, uh, we'll continue on with uh, the next section, verse 14.